Well, have you ever been so, like, have a hard time standing up in worship? Is this on? Y'all okay? Yeah. Got the Dewey Decibel system over here again. All right. It's okay to talk back to me. I'm not threatened by a little bit of chatter. I'm, I am so, like, just happy to be here. I used to think, I used to think that um, going to church, you needed to be somber. I really believe that. And from a person who walked through a long season of clinical depression, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. You know, God's a happy person. He doesn't need coffee like all you do to get through the day. He doesn't. Well, see, Sean, some of you guys, you can't. It's like, unless I get my coffee, I'm not a Christian until noon. Father, show me a picture of a couple you've traveled here from a distance. You're investigating spirit-filled things. You're even investigating moving. You're investigating Bridgeway. If you're a couple in here or you're, you're married to someone who's not here, and that is true of you, will you just wave your hand at me? You're investigating Bridgeway, spirit-filled things. Anyone? By the way, that's so funny you raised your hand. Uh, I was about to say, I promise you, I'm, I'm not like other pastors, like I'm, I'm not behind the pulpit. You have the coolest style and haircut I've ever seen. Will you stand up for a second? Come here. Come up here. Come here. I'm serious. Come here. What's your name? Jonathan. Where are you from? Uh, Miami. Okay. Yeah. So are you married? Uh, no, I'm not. I wish to be though. Everybody, okay. Well, all right. <laughs> You're living in Miami now? Uh, no, I actually just relocated here. I've been here for like two months. Okay. Well, the, what, what are you, are you for business or the father uh, working, or what? Uh, working pharmaceuticals. pharmaceuticals yeah. Well, you got, you got favor all over you. I'm, I, it was funny when I got up here, I was looking at Darren Wilson. We're usually cutting up about something and behind Darren, I was like, that's the coolest style I've ever seen. Now, of course, you're from Miami. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like I'm supposed to pray over you and bless you. Uh, Bridgeway is a normal place. There's just a lot of favor on your life. I just uh, bless you in the name of Jesus uh, with such a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. I see favor uh, just all over you, the presence of God all over you. I bless your story. I bless your past. And I just encourage you to open up your heart to a new level of favor with the Father. He brought you here for a reason. It's more than just pharmaceuticals. And you already know that. You love God. Do you have a grandmother really close to you that raised you? Yeah. Yeah. Passed away uh, two years ago. Yeah. She, she even uh, knows what, what's going on now. There's a legacy she gave to you in such a strong anointing. Uh, the father saying, you're a chip off the old block with your grandmother. Uh, a lot of people say, speak that over you. Are you real close to her? Yeah. Very yeah. Real, she's just an awesome woman of God. What's her name? Uh, uh, <laughs> it almost brings tears to my eyes. Dolores. Dolores. You know Dolores is not dead. And, and, you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And Dolores is even very aware of you. Uh, there's other, somebody else that's going to follow you here from Miami. There's other connections with Miami. There's so much favor on you. Is someone else considering moving up here? Oh, uh, yeah. But the rest of my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is in, in the kingdom, what the father doesn't want, he does in a whole family. That's when and it says in Acts, you and your household shall be saved. Uh, there's major revival stuff breaking out here, and it's not just you coming. And I see financial prosperity all over you, and uh, the Father already has uh, your bride on the way. No need to even go to war and intercession over that. Hey, yeah, Still taking takers. Hey, but, but it's real important right now in your life. You need to get higher in your thinking. This sermon today is just for you, okay? Now, at Bridgeway, we take up a love offering to the pastor when I give you a word. Okay, okay bye. I always prophesy over skinny, good-looking people. When someone gives you a word that says, the Father just says, bless your heart, 
That's when you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> bless your heart. Um, well, I have a confession to make. I don't hardly ever get nervous speaking. I'm nervous this morning. I have uh, a repentance I want to do up here in front of everyone, a confession to make and tell you a little story about what's happened the past week in my life. Um, I never wanted to be a pastor. It wasn't, I mean, at all. But I've always loved Jesus. I haven't always loved God because I didn't know him. I knew Jesus. But, you know, whatever you cast faith for becomes your reality in the kingdom. If you have faith to believe the Father is distant, well, then he'll be distant to you. And for whatever reason, I was more comfortable connecting with Jesus than I was the Father. And I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. Well, now I'm just, I'm head over heels with all three of them. I understand why Paul said, uh, I'll stay here for your benefit. If it was up to me, I'd go. I mean, even in worship, I could have stayed in worship until lunch. I couldn't go past lunch, but until lunch. (laughs) Because when you fall in love, it's just, I'm not trying to please him. He is so nice and so kind. And he's so powerful. He's not a pushover. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, thank you. I became a pastor. And so I, did, I just felt like a fish out of water. I love the church. It's not that. It's just I never saw myself doing this. I saw myself like going into a place, doing some prophetic stuff, seeing some people get healed, inspire people, and you get out of there. That's fun. When you travel, you are a rock star. When I'm here, I'm Sam's dad. But when you travel, it's like, oh, you're amazing. And, uh, and so I just, I've been at it for a couple of years now. And uh, I had a blind spot in my life and I, I didn't know what it was, which is quite humbling and embarrassing. Because the Father is so kind that he'll save you as a wretched sinner and then bring you to his table. And he's also kind enough to say, hey, I'm not mad at you, but I need to help you out here. Because if you don't get this, if you don't deal with this thing and take it to the cross, it's just going to hurt you for a long time. So here's how it goes. Um, before I became a pastor, it was very common of me on a daily basis to operate just a high level of the prophetic. And it was just commonplace. And this went on for about 10 years all over the place. It, was, I, it wasn't on a stage. Matter of fact, I was speaking in a lot of Baptist places where I couldn't do it. Then I'd get done preaching and then I'd do it at the altar ministry. And the people that brought me in didn't know I was doing it. And that lasted for a while until I got in trouble for some of that. And you got gold dust starting to manifest gregariously, some gregarious healings. And I actually would not tell anybody about it because uh, it just wasn't really welcomed in the circles that the Father was putting me in. I've always felt like a fish out of water my entire life. Can anybody relate to me? Somebody said the other day, you know, what are you? I was like, what do you mean, what am I? Well, I don't know. I'm just a child of the Father. Well, did did you become charismatic and then start hearing his voice? And I said, no. I just, you know, you talk to God and he talks back to you. Anyway, but I, I noticed that when I took this job at the old church, at City Church, and even coming here, I wasn't aware of it, but... I just don't want to, uh, I didn't want to be the type of person that was too much for some people. And I also didn't want to be the other end of it. It's a lot easier just to get in the ditch. Let's go do a conference and let's call it glory invasion of Hezekiah's temple, signs, wonders, lightning bolts, and deliverance. 
of Jezekiah and Elijah. Put that on a flyer. I can tell you who's going to show up to that. I promise you a Baptist ain't stumbling in to Jezekiah's whatever. And then the other ditch is uh, expository preaching conference. I love that too. I can tell you that that group's not coming over here. We're not going to be getting out the study Bible for six sessions. You know, we want to see something manifest. You come over here to this camp, you better make it rain. You ain't getting invited back. And uh, anyway, and so I just being in the radical middle of these two things, I haven't known. I just feel like a fish out of water. Well, are you Pentecostal or are you charismatic? I'm just a child of the Father. Well, are, are you like really charismatic or are you like, you know, like some of these <laughs> mega churches don't wear ties and they call that charismatic. You know what I mean? That was funny. We got a liberal in here who's not wearing a tie, not wearing a tie. And so where'd you go to school? Beeson Divinity School. So how can you be, how can you be charismatic and go get your doctorate? <laughs> so we make all these, I don't know. I just don't know what we are other than I'm coming clean last week in front of everybody and then today on who I am, what we are. And I want to honestly pray a prayer of, of the church because so, oil always flows from the top down. And if it can't get broken off of me, then it can't get past me. But if it can get broken off of me and I can get rid of insecurities, then we can be fully free to be who we're supposed to be as a family. And, um, and so, uh, okay. So six months ago, I uh, was listening to Sean Bowles, who Jamie Galloway was with this past week. And I felt something weird going on inside of me. I didn't, I, it felt like conviction to me. And I prayed the prayer. I said, Father, I just want to ask you, I want to have the ability to hear you on a very high level like Sean. And uh, the response I got was not what I was expecting. Instead of him saying, okay, he said, I've already given you the ability to hear me, but you're not stepping into it. The Father can give you a mantle, but it be laid at your feet. And if you don't reach down and pick it up, the mantle's already been released from heaven. But until it gets on your shoulders, you can't walk in it. And the Father won't put it on your shoulders. And so it... A lot of people, me included, this is what I'm coming free on. I was, we're getting ready to do an eight-week series on, on uh, getting rid of the orphan spirit here. And I thought it was for y'all. <laughs> I did. And it's for me, too. And, and so I just, the Father said, I, I can't make you pick it up. And so I just ignored it. That's what you do when you don't want to deal with something the Father's saying. I just keep going on. And on a scale of zero to 100, I operate in about 40%, I would say, because that's what you're supposed to do as a pastor. You're just supposed to do that. The book is supposed to's. You're supposed to wear a sweater vest. You're, su- you're supposed to uh, go to Dale Carnegie classes. You're, opposed to, you're supposed to say brother a lot when you talk to people. You're supposed to grab their left arm when you shake them and you shake hands. And you're supposed to be real pastoral. Problem is, I just, even until this past week, I still have not felt comfortable pastoring this church. I feel very comfortable in being who I am. I haven't felt comfortable in stepping into what a pastor is supposed to be. So this is what happens. Uh, Darren's out at Azusa. Bowles does this thing. Sean Bowles, by the way, is pastor of a church in Los Angeles. Great guy, family man, just walks in a high level of friendship with the father and and uh, what happened this morning with getting words for someone that's moving here is very common. And he, he did his thing in Azusa. Sunday night, or at, Sunday after Azusa last week here, the Azusa Now weekend here, I just told Wendy all day long, I can't explain this, but I should be very excited today. I am agitated. Something is, something's not right with me. And I said, but I don't know what it is. This is a week ago today. This is after a great day here. And so I do what most people should do when you're confused. 
we went to, I went to get Chinese food for my family Sunday night. You know, good tasting food, open up a cracker, gives you a destiny. And uh, I open up a cracker and it, it's not from the Lord. And then uh, I go home and I tell Wendy something's wrong with me. So typically when, when I know something's wrong, I just go get by myself. And I pray what I always pray. What? Like, just tell me, just please tell me, because I, I don't like riddles. And he knows that with me. You know, the father, not, not to hurt you, but the father will agitate you to get your attention. Because desperation doesn't uh, make the father move, but it will make you move. And you moving is the one with the issue of blood, you know, touching the garment. So I finally just kept saying, what? And so... Um, I prayed the prayer I prayed six months ago, and this time it was not. He wasn't. He's very convicted in what he says. He says, you're at a crossroads right now. You can go one of two ways. You can be the person that you think you're supposed to be. You have some approval of man issues that you weren't aware of. Or you can be who I've made you to be, but I still cannot make you pick up uh, who I've made you to be. And, Chad, this isn't about you. This is about a house. It's about Bridgeway. And then I don't do this often, but I did just mumble it because it wasn't really loud. You know, sometimes you go into the throne room hardcore, and other times you stay in the outer courts and just, you know, you know, Father, if you don't mind, could you? And I, I knew I was going to have a dream. So I have a dream. Here it goes. In the dream, one of my best friends named John Helms, who I went to seminary with, who usually sits right here, but he's at the Tennessee Orange and White game, went to yesterday. And he walks up to me in a dream. And he walks up, and he peels back underneath my left eye. Uh, all the way down to the bone. It was disgusting. And in the dream, I'm looking at myself going, what is it? Is it cancer? What is it? What's wrong with me? And uh, Helms pulls out an avocado seed from under my eye. It was deep all the way back to the bone. Now, the father has a sense of humor because uh, about six months ago, the father said, you have metabolic syndrome. You're being close to being insulin resistant, and you're going to have to change your diet completely. I've eaten more avocados in six months than I have in 43 years. That's no exaggeration. I ate one this morning for breakfast. I kind of cringe when I look at them now and shake a little bit, but I have to eat these things because God wants to get fat into my body. I didn't know what avocado was. I didn't even know avocado and guacamole were the same thing until about six months ago. So if God can use me, he can use you. So... Helms pulls this out and he looks at it and I said, what is that? And he takes my face and Helms completely heals me. Now, Helms in my life is like a Samwise. Uh, he's the safest friend I could ever describe. He didn't say anything to the end. And he said, go put it in the trash can. So I take this seed and I'm holding it. it. looks just like this. And I remember thinking in the dream, I didn't know that was there. And I put it in the trash can. Well, in the next scene in the dream, Shauna Keys, who is the leader of intercession here at our church, walks into our house. Me and Wendy are, uh, Wendy's making coffee, and I'm standing there, and Shauna walks in, and I said, hey, look at this, and I pull it out of the trash can. Now, when I pull it out of the trash can, it's a heart with six or seven valves, and it's really bloody, and it is repulsively disgusting. And I pick it up, and I was like, ooh, and Shauna looks at me, and it's really quiet. She says, put that back in the trash can where it belongs. So I put it in the trash can, I look at Sean and Wendy, and I wake up. Typically what happens, the father on a dream that he really wants me to understand the way it works with me at least, I don't have to go three months for an interpretation. I get it as soon as my eyes open. And the father said, there's a seed underneath your weak eye 
that was placed there by hurt from people who have hurt you in the past on how I've made you. I gently am getting this seed out of how you see things. It wasn't under your dominant eye, it was under your weaker eye. If it wouldn't have been removed right now, it was going to manifest and get into your heart. And it was going to really cause you a lot of problems in Bridgeway's destiny would never come to pass. And the valves are uh, an indicator of the people in your past who have hurt you. And I knew what he meant by hurt me. Because what happened was, uh, what happened was, what happened was um, when I said yes to the Holy Spirit, it wasn't a slow track for me. It was overnight of beginning to hear the, the uh, voice of the Father. Because there's a key principle in Scripture that very few Americans have a revelation on. Things uh, come to us on the basis of what we believe. Jesus said 18 times. Your Savior said 18 times. Let it be done to you as you have believed. And that's, I mean, churches, that's so uncomfortable to preach that message because a lot of people think God's holding out on them where you actually are limiting God, and I'm limiting God by the way that I'm thinking. This seed was put there by uh, some people in the past that... Uh, I don't think really was them at all. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Y'all probably need to listen the next 10 minutes here. This is for everybody. You know, it's not about Joseph's brothers. It's about the spirit of jealousy operating in his brothers that they weren't even aware of. And a lot of people think that person hurt me. That, that person is being influenced by a force and a, that they're not aware of. And so I didn't wake up like wanting to go kill people who've hurt me. I just realized that the enemy put a seed in me but the seed had developed no roots, and the avocado was very soft. I thank God it wasn't in my strong eye. So I woke up, and I said, Father, what are you going to do? And he said, I want you to teach on this at staff meeting on Tuesday. I want you to apologize to the staff, and then I want you to apologize to the church on Sunday. And you may say, well, I don't even know what that means. Why are you apologizing? I would never pick up on it. Because if this thing, if I don't come clean with this and put it on the altar, his plans for this house won't come to pass. Because there's a, there's a principle in Scripture that oil flows from the top down. And what happens what happens is when you can't preach breakthrough for something you're not walking in. And the design, heaven's design on this house is not small. But I want to make a few observations this morning. There is a thin line between humility and self-deprecation. If you cast faith to believe, and I've been saying this a lot, I would rather just have a church this size and do this and this. It sounds real humble. It's not humility. It's self-deprecation, and it's a stepping away from a mantle. And so if the Father designs Bridgeway to help a 1,000 people walk in family on mission and have some breakthrough, that is fantastic. The only problem is that's that's not heaven's design on this house. And what happens is I thought it was humility by only preaching death, 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 self-denial, Luke 9, 23, Luke 9, 23. It's not about me. It's not about me. And it is coming from a pure place, but the enemy overplays his hand. And all of a sudden, what you think is arrogance is actually the father elevating a person, a people group from being in shackles from his brothers to now being in charge of Egypt. I want to, I want to show you this through the scriptures. Can we go to Psalm 105? Uh, it's very fun to talk about the desert seasons. You're just being pruned, brother. You're just being tested. We like to read that book of James because we all can identify with what, what we're not, what we don't have. Little bitty me. There comes a point where Moses is not in the desert anymore. There comes a point where Esther is not in a crowd of 2,000 where no one knows who she is. There comes a point where Elijah is not obscure 
there comes a point where the father doesn't just desire to test you and prune you in the prison. There comes a point where he desires to put you in charge of Egypt. Uh, he called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. Next verse. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. Anybody can relate to slave talk. Well, you know, if not for the blood of Jesus, I'm so depraved. I just, I have nothing. I'm a Fibosheth. I need to be living in Lodi Bar. But the problem is uh, the kingdom and the king of the kingdom doesn't see us as that anymore. But a lot of people do. And it sounds like humility. Well, the truth is it's actually demonic to be invited to the king's table and you be more comfortable turning back, looking at Lodibar, turning back, looking at Egypt. It's, it's sin- well, I just don't deserve this. Well, what if, watch what happens with Joseph. Uh, they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Amen, Father, teach me, prune me. And until what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him, and the ruler of people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed. What if, what if the father told you that in your sphere of influence right now, what you're calling humility is actually your refusal to let him elevate you? Well, I'm not really worthy to write a book on parenting. Who would read my book anyway? It sounds humble. It's a fear of man. Uh, Philippians 2. Can we look at Philippians 2? We, we, we talk about how amazing it was that the king of glory stepped to earth and so got so low, and we celebrate that. But what happens when you get low? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit, one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I'm not preaching against that. I'm just saying what happens when you do walk in this. It's a law in the kingdom. Here's what happens. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Wait for it. Therefore, God exalted him. Go to Luke 14. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble. We love that part. But what about this? And those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you're walking in humility and the Father is desiring to exalt you in due time, as it says, in your business, in whatever you're putting your hands to, and you say, it's just not about me. You think you're being humble when you're refusing a promotion and elevation in the kingdom. And it seems humble. It's actually full of pride. Because what you're saying is, I know better than you. Why we like Lion King so much? There's that one point where this this little kid. All of a sudden, that Mufasa character thing happens. And Simba, Simba's not saying, well, you know, it's not really about me. What, if the Father's calling you to something, you're called to be the head, not the tail. And somehow it's crept into the church that to be the head is arrogance. Jesus is the head of all civilization of all time. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the most humble person that ever lived. 
I'm saying when you do walk in humility, there's something coming your way. You are going to get elevated. There's going to be doors open for you that you don't deserve. But by continuing to tell people who you're not and living at 30% of who you are is not honoring the king of glory. You want to know why? Because you're a light and light was never meant to be put under a bowl where no one can see you. Light's meant to go in the darkness and shine. There's a couple things at play here. If you're looking for elevation, (laughs) well, that's ridiculous. But if you're walking with the Father and he's saying, Esther, you're born for such a time as this, and Esther says, oh, it can't be me. This is why I love the story of redemption. I love the story of the disciples. You got a couple of fellows before Jesus goes upstairs. And they're arguing over who can sit on the right side of Jesus. One of my favorite passages. It is like a different form of ignorance when you argue who can sit beside the king of glory. But even in his grace, even in his mercy, after the resurrection, they just go up there and they wait. And with these guys, they got all that stuff beat out of them. And when they got to the upper room and Pentecost happened, then it was their pleasure to go and die and not look for seats to sit beside the king of glory. When the Holy Spirit invades a place and invades a person, humility is the natural byproduct of that. But humility doesn't put you in a cave where no one can see you. Humility actually gets you exalted by the sovereign hand of the Father. And by an unwillingness to let that sovereign hand exalt you, it's actually demonic. And the plan for your life and for the people you lead may not come to pass because what you thought was humility was actually disobedience. Man, am I making sense? I hope I am. Uh, go to, uh, I forget the other verse. I want to say first Peter, I believe I could be wrong here. Yep. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, the goal is humility, but he may lift you up in due time. Joseph's story wasn't complete until he was exalted. Okay. So let it be done to you as you have believed. A lot of people put faith to believe that, well, my faith is if you get exalted, something's wrong. I was so tempted to even get off of social media because I just said, Father, I don't want to ever be perceived as I think anything's about me. It became almost like a paranoia. There's nothing wrong with social media. And if the Father's giving you a story to tell, then tell it. And tell it well. Right now, Sam Norris is in Greenwood, South Carolina. He's playing in his first big-time golf tournament. We went yesterday. He teed it up with a junior in high school, 17, 17 years old yesterday. It's like David and Goliath. This guy was enormous. He's like six foot two. And as a parent, I didn't say to Sam, hey, Sam, I just want to remind you, I really don't even want you to play well because perhaps someone will look at you and just think that it's all about you. What I told Sam and whispered in his ear, I can't say all the words I said to him, but I said this, I want you to take this six foot two guy. And I want you to make him sorry he ever picked up a golf club. (laughs) Why is it arrogant for Elijah to say, go ahead and put some water on all that wood and make sure you douse it? If you are not triggering the orphan spirit with people you're around, it's because we're not walking with Papa in close enough intimacy. True revelation of who I am in Christ is always going to upset someone. Joseph's coat of favor will always come with pushback. And I let the pushback and I let the voices and I let the vows in the heart 
take me away from, from who I'm supposed to be. And I'm supposed to be a prophetic leader, not just for a church, but for larger than that. I'm supposed to write a bunch of books. I'm supposed to get on social media and write blogs. Bridgeway does have a, a spotlight on it to help a lot of people walk in a high level of healing, a high level of influence. And what I'm saying is I thought, I got a strong presence right now. Uh, I thought that it was more humble just to, oh, well, it's not about us. Every once in a while, you just read a story in the Bible that really triggers you. When David looks at Eliab and says, get out of my way. And God is so kind that if ever in your life or my life, if it ever gets out of humility and turns into arrogance, then he'll show us he's that kind. But I'm not talking about that. That's not the sermon today. The sermon today is, I shouldn't have bothered you, prophets of Baal. I'm so sorry. I don't even know why. I'm just going to go pray. You know, seasons of hiddenness are not always seasons of hiddenness. Sometimes what you think is a season of hiddenness is a season of being a coward. Sometimes the big kitty cats need to come out and play and roar. I mean, some of you, even in your business, it's like, well, I just don't want to say anything. Some of you just need to start talking at your business. If there's a lion inside of me, I don't need to just go tell the whole world he's there. I just need to let him out every once in a while. And there will always be an Eliab. There will always be Joseph's brothers. But there comes a point where i got a couple of options. I can please the one that I can't see but I will spend forever with, or I can secretly live at 40% of my capacity trying to just fit in. And so what I'm coming clean on today with Bridgeway is I'm, I just want to be who God's, two things, who God's made me and my wife and my three kids to be and who he's made this church to be. And here's what that is. If you think that you are called to mentor a few people, I think that's great. But sometimes God calls a place to mentor presidents and kings. Sometimes God calls a place that as we grow, famous people sneak in the back and they put a hat on. Not to hear some incredible sermon by some speaker, but they just want to be where the presence of God is. And to deny that and to step away from it and to say that we're only called to Greenville is not humility. It's disobedience and it's ignorance. No, it's actually not ignorance. It's not ignorance anymore. What this is, is not getting close to a mantle. It's picking it up. And without confessing that, the house is not released into who the house is supposed to be. Come on, Gary. Um, I got about three minutes here. I'm so hungry I can't think. If you ever would have told me earlier in life, I need an avocado for breakfast. Where do I need to go with this? All right, why don't we just why don't why don't we just take step one into the new us? Oh, I know what it was. Okay, thank you, Father. All right, so here's what I've done in the past couple of years. I literally sit down on like a Monday, and I do what they taught me at seminary. I prepare my sermon. It's I can't do that. It's awful. And I'm trying to, you know, make a couple things rhyme and I'm trying to like, <laughs> and somewhere in, somewhere in me, this thing starts speaking. Well, if you don't do that, it's, it, this coming out of me is this, and Andrew Walman prophesied this over me, walk with God every day of your life. You'll never prepare for another sermon. Sermons will come from your oil and not learning something about some figure in heaven. In the past, I've even apologized to our own staff. 
even uh, hiring David here, there are sometimes my sermons are so different from first, second to second service. And I hear some people making fun of her or whatever. And I know that it's just insecurity creeps in. So I'm thinking, you know, I just need to preach the same thing. I can't. My sermon notes, I have an avocado seed. I have a thing of oil that I don't know who gave it to me. And I've got four verses. But Jesus Christ is on the screen of my phone. He lives in my heart. And I'm just telling you, I've got to be a point guard. I know this isn't y'all's projection onto me. I'm just coming clean. I can't be... And I won't be the typical whatever the book is supposed to is with pastor. I want to walk in a high level of character. I want to lead my wife. I want, to, I, want to, I want to have so much oil dripping on me that in the spirit, they call me drip drip because there's oil just dripping everywhere. But, but when it comes to the, uh, the method of things around here, things are going to be planned, but there's going to be so many things that start to happen off the page off the page. Okay. A couple of things. There's two marriages right now where you do not want to get divorced in here. You do not want that, but your marriage just needs the fresh touch of Jesus Christ on it. If that's your, if if you're one of those two marriages, come up here and stand here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you anything. I'm just going to pray for you because what happens is when you step, when you step into faith like this, you see more breakthrough flowing with the spirit than you do memorizing stuff. If your marriage needs a strong, I mean the the touch of Jesus Christ on it. Come up here right now. Right, not on the stage, but right here. Come on. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Come on. Get up here. And it's no shame. I hate standing up here. I feel like I'm in some type of Charlton Heston. Here, come up here. Um, there's one more marriage. Who is it? Come on. I'm not saying you're that something awful is going on or, or, or divorce is looming. I mean, you just need the touch of Jesus. Yes. Is there anybody else? Doug, come up here and pray for this marriage. Why don't you guys just go and start praying right now? know that marriage is a covenant that you established. We pray for supernatural love, the love of the Spirit of God to settle into their hearts, Lord. They would love each other deeply. They would be tender to each other. Father, I pray specifically that the fear of the Lord would settle into their hearts, that they would start to trust you, Lord, for their marriage. They would trust you, Lord God, that you you would open up the treasures of riches of wisdom and knowledge in their lives, that they would begin to seek you, Lord God, to seek you and seek you and seek you, Lord God, that they would feel your presence, God, that you would mend any hurt that's come along. You would break any yoke, that shackles would fall off, Lord God, Uh, that bad theology would fall to the ground, Lord God, that hurtful words would dissipate, and that they would just well up inside of you, the Spirit of God, and they would begin to bless each other like like the two cherubim, In Isaiah 6 that said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That they built each other up in such a a powerful way with worship and praise that it shook the foundation of the temple. I pray that these two would do the same for you, Lord God. That they would continue to seek you in purity and in holiness and it would just shake the foundations of hell against their marriage. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. couple other things. Hey, Joe, will you stand up for a second? This is not, this is not just for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is not just for you, but it's for uh, quite a few leaders in uh, youth ministry. So if you cast faith to believe that you need about 10 to 12 years of grooming before you have an enormous sphere of influence, that's not evil. It's just not biblical. Because Paul said to Timothy, let no man look down on you because you are young. And see, what happened was Timothy started pastoring the largest literal church in the world. And a lot of scholars believe that he was 19 when he did it. And so what I want to do is pray over you, Joe, if you just open up your hands like a kid. And this is not, by the way, this isn't just for you. There's four or five others uh, that are leading with Paige and Jody right now that the father is saying, don't have faith to believe that a large fear of influence is 10 years away. It's actually right now. I mean, Joe, you probably know more word than most pastors I know. I just hear a right now word for you, a right now word for you. Even the word on your, uh, on your hat, you, you've been so seeking him diligently and he's actually going to reward you right now. It's you and, and three others. So in the name of Jesus, I bless you, Joe, and these other leaders in youth group, uh, that you're not just called to a local body, but you're, you're actually called to America. There's, there's something brewing here that, that it's national, not just local. And Joe, you're a big part of that. And I just bless you with this now word in Jesus name. Amen. You know, you got to be careful because, uh, if, if you, th- if you think, if your view of sovereignty is that whenever it happens, it happens, that's actually not biblical. Uh, Mary looked at Jesus at the wedding and, uh, she, she said something to him and he says, it's not my time yet. Well, then why in the world did he turn the water into wine? I believe it was a couple few months away and Mary's faith drug it into the present. A lot of you are waiting on a breakthrough in your business and the father is waiting on you to exercise authority over your business. Well, I don't have the experience. I don't have this and that. Last time I checked, my dad is God. When I give someone advice and I'm walking with the Holy Spirit, it's not like someone that doesn't have anything to say. When you walk in intimacy and you have the wisdom of God operating in you, it, it's not humble to be quiet. Humility and being quiet. Humility is severing the neck of Goliath after you kill him. And then you take the head and you just give it right back to the father and say, you are so good. You are so good. David never talked about himself. When he walked onto the field, he says, who is this that defies? Wait a minute. It wasn't. So you don't think I can do this? It's not about me. But if you continue to say it's not about me, then somewhere deep inside there, there just, there just needs to be a little, little, little thing to do. So let, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Let's have an invitation this morning. If there's one of these in your life and you just need help in getting rid of it, it's not going to sovereignly drop out of you. All right, let's stand up. I'm going to ask the prayer service to come forward. If you need one of these guys to get out of your life, then come get prayer. And you know what it is. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you with the courage to just let the Father uproot any seed in you that doesn't look like him. And I bless this house to never, ever again, ever, me or anyone else, apologize for severing Goliath's neck. Yes for the nations, for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great week.